Thanks to your malt mates at Cryo Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation. I'm Matt Kirkegaard. This week we have a very timely conversation with the independent chair of the Alcoholic Beverages Advertising Code Scheme, Mr Harry Jenkins. Given Harry's schedule, this conversation had been booked for some weeks, but happened to be recorded the day before the news came out about the Jedi Juice decision, so we weren't able to canvas that specifically, but we did discuss the ABAC code generally, its aims and objectives, and also the criticism from both sides of the industry. One of the things that came clear to me during the conversation was that ABAC isn't an alcohol policy body or a regulatory body, and nor is it a lobbyist for the alcohol industry or the anti-alcohol industry. It is a body trying to navigate a way to manage responsible advertising for what is a legal product, but a product that is highly regulated and regulated for very good reason. I say that up front as there were a number of topics that entered into alcohol policy that I wanted to explore during the chat, but it became clear that they just don't fall into Harry's role or the role of ABAC, and they are probably best discussed with others. Even so, it is an interesting conversation about an important topic that is very timely for the whole industry, but especially for smaller and independent brewers. Enjoy the conversation. Harry Jenkins, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks very much, Matt. It's been an issue that we've been following quite uh, rigorously over the last six or 12 months um, in in the craft beer industry. We've seen a number of brewers that have had what some in the industry think are surprising um, findings against them uh, by the ABAC adjudication panel. So I thought it was an opportune chance just to have a discussion with you about what ABAC is, what it hopes to achieve, and what brewers need to be aware of when they're coming to their their beer marketing and labelling. So, um, first of all, maybe give a bit of background to how you came to occupy the independent chair's role. About a year ago, the the position became vacant because my predecessor, Alan Ferguson, was um, stepping down. Um, As part of the exercise, I had to um, reassure myself that, you know, I thought that ABAC was something worthwhile being involved in, especially when there's a bit of pressure because... Um, it's an independent position from from industry. Um, I looked at the history, which was approaching a 20-year history. Um, I was impressed with the way in which the scheme had developed, had not been a static thing, had kept abreast of uh, different marketing tools that were happening, the different shape of the, the industry had attempted to react in a positive way to ensure that um, alcohol was marketed in a responsible way. So um, when uh, given the opportunity to take the role, um, I was very happy. So the last 12 months has been a bit of a learning curve <laughs> for me, but um, I, you know, I, I just still have that impression that all those that are involved are absolutely trying to make ABAC work. So there's a whole host of people that are independent of the industry, the um, CEO, the adjudicators, myself, the pre-vetters. But what impresses me is that industry reps take this as you know, fairly important, that it has to, to work properly. So um, in your intro, when you talk about newcomers being a bit surprised by things, um, I just hope that what we can justify is that we are consistently applying ABAC 
and that we can get to a point where people, um, whilst they, they will no doubt be disappointed if, if they fall foul, they'll have a better appreciation and understanding of what's underpinning the whole ABAC scheme. Now, before you were invited to take over the chair um, of ABAC, you were a long-standing member of the Senate, um, including uh, a speaker of the Senate. No, no, you've, oh, you've hurt me badly. Uh, oh, sorry. Of the House. Uh, sorry, that's the House. Okay, sorry. Right. That's what I will forgive you. <laughs> so they're the, the ones that do the real work. Well, we like to say that. <laughs> so, but you were a speaker of the House. Um, it, it, it's probably some appropriate qualifications um, coming from the federal parliament in that the role that ABAC occupies still has a, a fair amount of politics involved. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a quasi-regulatory scheme that operates um, alongside a whole host of um, uh, black-letter law, other regulation. Um, there's a, a lot of um, politics involved in not just uh, the standards that apply to um, the licensing of alcohol sales and the like, um, the spin-off about concerns about public health. So, uh, you know, throughout politics, it's always about the art of the possible. It's about getting the, the, the proper balance. And again, if I was to step back and review the first 21 years of ABAP, it's been about getting something that actually works, um, has credibility, and I think that that's, that's important. Mm. And the other thing I think that, you know, my background um, in politics, as I said, was, was about, well, sometimes you can be capital I idealistic and not achieve anything. Um, sometimes you've got to just make sure that you see the way that things can be achieved. Um, that there's progression, that there's a realisation of what's happening in the, in the real world. And again, I think that ABAC stands the tests of, of those that nature. It, it's interesting you say that because I guess uh, th th there are parties in politics that are very idealistic um, and they can say whatever policies they want but they never have any requirement to Im Im implement them um, the, the way that they outline, whereas... ABAC does seem to have a certain impact on, on the industry um, and, and, and the outcomes that it's, it's achieving. Yeah, well, well, I think, uh, again, you know, in, in political terms, you talk about being a party of government, so you, you talk about, you know, being able to achieve things. And again, that's, that's the basis of what ABAC tries to do. It tries to, to have an impact, it tries to... Um, engender responsible marketing of, of a product often put under the microscope and, and that's all it is. It's not, we're not there just to have rules for rules sake. Um, it's to say, right, um, here's a product that has a whole host of regulation about the sales, um, that there are concerns about the, the abuse and misuse. Um, let's ensure that marketing doesn't uh, in some way um, make that even worse. So I think that's the important thing. It's about achieving a goal. So let's step back um, and, and some of these things that we can uh, talk about a little bit later, but let's talk about what ABAC is first of all. Um, for those who are potentially new to the industry, how would you explain what ABAC is and what its, what its purpose is? Who set it up and uh, what its purpose is? 
Well, basically, it's um, a scheme to ensure that um, alcoholic beverages are marketed responsibly. Um, so, uh, 21 years ago, uh, through the efforts of the industry itself, um, it was put in place. It has three main components. Uh, the first is the ABAC code itself, which you know sets out the parameters for um, responsible marketing. So, for instance, it you know indicates that that an ad should only show you know moderate and responsible use of alcohol. Um, importantly, that the ads aren't targeted towards minors under 18s um, in their content or placement. Um, that it doesn't suggest that alcohol would have a positive effect on a consumer's health or mood and, and that it doesn't show alcohol use in um, things where there's safety required. So, and, and why does that matter? Why are those things um, important that we don't do those things? Well, I think that, you know, this, uh, um, on the safety aspect, well, there's an inherent danger of, um, you know, there's misuse of, alcohol while operating a, a boat or, you know, simply put, not that this would be really something I think in modern times that anybody would think of doing, but, you know, operating a car and stuff mm. like that. Um, the the um, ads aimed at minors, I think, is a, is a fairly obvious thing. Um, many public health advocates are concerned that um, by a minor um, being exposed to advertising, that they're, they're encouraged to uh, go into the use of alcohol. Um, others simply say, well, why would you bother having marketing that have appealed, for instance, to under-18s when they legally can't purchase the product? So, you know, there's a whole range of reasons, um, but I think that, you know, if, if, if you look at the way the overall overarching rules of the sale of alcohol and the licensing and the like, there's a social responsibility placed on people in the industry to do the right thing, um, to act on a whole host of levels responsibly and they should market responsibly. So the, what the code does is, you know, has those um, points that they're trying to achieve. The code tries to give some definition of, of what they actually mean and to try to give that in a consistent way that's intelligible to people that are using the code. The other two aspects of, of, of the scheme are the adjudication panel. So um, anybody can uh, raise a complaint. Um, the chief adjudicator will uh, look at that complaint and see if you know, there's a prima facie case to, to go forward against the code. Uh, then a panel's put in place and uh, makes judgment on, on the complaint. And the third aspect to the scheme is the, the pre-vetters, where um, people that want to market a product um, can go, they can get advice, they can get the, the tick off that, you know, whatever they're suggesting, whether it be an ad, whether it be the design of their packaging, um, doesn't fall foul of the, uh, the code. And I think, you know, um, some of the examples that we've seen with uh, craft brewers is, is interesting because it, it gives you a window to what the way the scheme operates. For instance, 
Um, the craft brewer might be trying to get a major retailer to put their product on the shelf. Um, that retailer, eons ago, will have made a decision that they only put um, product on the shelf that has been pre-vetted by, by ABAC. So the craft brewer takes off their, their packaging to get the tick off and they fall foul of the, the, the system. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you, know, you say, well, they're a bit surprised by it all. So, um, and, and we understand that and that's why we also place emphasis that um, all the aspects of the scheme, um, it's important for them to have an educative role. Um, you know? So the, the code, to make sure that people understand it, um, when complaints are, are adjudicated, that people, through um, the result of those um, adjudications, get an inkling to the way in which the scheme works, and certainly that the pre-vetting is helpful for a better understanding of the way in which the whole ramit of marketing of product be put in place responsibly. Sometimes ABAC seems to sit um, in the firing line from both sides of, uh, you know, both points of view. Um, when we run stories about ABAC decisions um, that fight against craft breweries, the comments fill up with, you know, geez, we're the nanny state, we're sucking the fun out of everything. Um, and, and that's a criticism that's often levelled um, at you. Why, I, why should ABAC not be seen as a fun police? Um, well, I suppose that's in the eye of the beholder and, and what, I, what I've actually learned about people that we're actually talking about today is that when the creative juices are running, it is all about the fun, fun, fun. I mean, um, having said that, I mean, I don't, I don't think that, you know, sort of, if we're looking at... Um, some of the craft brewers and their products that they're, they're about overindulgence, they're about you know people wanting to savour the flavour and stuff and stuff like that. But um, look, I think at the end of the day, uh, there has to be an understanding that there are uh, a degree, a large degree of social responsibility that goes with these products. And so that with that territory, um, sometimes there has to be a bit of a rain put on people, you know, running off and getting excited. So, um, I mean, nanny state taking the fun out of it, really, you know, regret that people sort of see it that way. But I think that they they have to understand that people can still um, be excited by a new product and the like, but it's just got to be done in a responsible way. And I guess that's where the, the idea of the nanny state comes from, is that um, beer, for example, and we're, we're just limiting our discussion really to, to, to beer, although way back uh, applies much more broadly, um, but only adults can drink beer. Um, adults uh, are smart enough to know that what they see in an advertisement um, it shouldn't necessarily influence their behaviour. Um, and so what is the problem with um, alcohol marketers behaving a certain way? You know, if, if you see someone driving down the highway um, drinking from a six-pack of beer, we know that that's illegal. Why do we need somebody to police those messages in advertising, for example? 
we often get into the fact, you know, what, what does a reasonable person perceive? And, and even in some of those, in, in that example, a reasonable person might think, well, that's just stepped over the, over the line. Um, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you have to, have to um, understand that there will be people that don't absolutely understand that. Mm-hmm. And, and um, to the extent that we, we should prevent... Um, people being exposed to that and and especially young young people like in formative years like um, it's pretty difficult to have a have um, a conclusion that you know minors don't absolutely get exposed but if 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 you have behavior being portrayed in a marketing that you're only ticking off because you think that a sensible person will understand the, the context. You've got to be a bit careful, and that's that's the basis of I think the way in which, um, for instance, the adjudication panel would would look at many things, and and that's why the code tries to make it a definition of to the extent. You know, um, perhaps the, the the driving one's a bit over top, but um, for instance, um, uh, influences has become one of the difficulties for us to um, get a handle on the way in which we can sensibly um, control the, the activity. Now one of the things that we do is that we have an age um, limit for, for influences that they should be over 25 and, and the like. Again, that's try to limit the attractiveness to, to minors. But you get the influencer with product and a skateboard. Mm. So, you know, I understand that you know some of the craft brewers would say well yeah well what's the difficulty you know if if somebody's really affected they're not going to get on the skateboard but again i think that there just has to be those limits where we say responsibility 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 um, and and then you let the value of your product actually sell itself so how important is the signalling aspect of marketing? You know, that uh, if if a business behaves a certain way and it's marketing, that is a nudge and a wink to consumers that it's okay to behave that way themselves. Is that an element that you're trying to promote? I think you know you, you try to corral that and and make sure that it's contained, so that it doesn't go off on a tangent that's outside outside of of, of limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, the baseline is was you know what does a reasonable person expect, or how does a reasonable person look upon it? Um, over time, ABAC has um, tested itself against um, consumer expectations. Um, on those occasions, that's reflected that yes, um, ABAC is a little more conservative than the consumer expectations that were found by, by the study, but not overly towards that there should be major criticism that we're taking the fun out of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we're, we're satisfied that the balance that we've achieved is, is appropriate. And, and that's... The, the, the other thing is that um, new players in the industry have to understand that there are critics out there that would... Um, have a whole host of different ways of doing things that um, if they think that ABAC's 
draconian, you know. Um, well, it's, it's only a very small step and start of what, what alternatives are. And, I mean, we, we don't worry about that in our day-to-day activity because what we're trying to do is we've put in place a system that can have an outcome that's um, positive in that it allows uh, marketing on the one hand but on the other hand that there are limits to that marketing that ensure that that, um, the use of alcohol is promoted in um, a responsible manner that's, that's equal to the, those social obligations that those in the industry have. It, it, it's interesting you say that because at, whilst ABAC has been criticised for being the fun police and sort of taking the, uh, the, the fun out of the Australian way of life, you've had very, very sustained criticism from um, other groups such as the Foundation for Research, uh, Alcohol Research and Education that recently when ABAC celebrated 21 years of operation, they came out with 21 reasons that ABAC had failed. Um, and they've been very vocal critics. Um, h- how do you respond to, to those criticisms? We're aware, we're aware of them, but uh, what we try to do is to keep doing our job. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm very comfortable about about the way that ABAC operates is that there's a high degree of um, transparency. For instance, when complaints are adjudicated, the the names of the panellists are put to their work. Um, You know, there's not any hiding behind things. We we try to make sure that people understand... Is that a comment on the the, um, anonymous nature of complaints? Um, Well, look, that... That was a decision that we we came to that we were comfortable with that um, if that's what people wanted to operate and then we um, for me that's neither here nor, here nor there I mean um, that that's for others to decide and we're happy to provide that um, provision um, we're more worried about what what we do um, the complaints a complaint we um, Encourage people that have concerns to to complain. Um, we go, we go through a, the ad age, Australia ad agency portal and things like that. Um, what, what I was going to do is you highlighted the fact that the tribunal put their names yeah. to, to their judgments. It, 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 is that a bit of a um, crack at some of the people who come oh, complain? No, 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 it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't meant to be in that okay. way. I mean, it's just more about. Um, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about how we operate and what, sure. what we do and, and you know that we we um, are, are actually attempting to explain how we go about things um, I think as I earlier said I think that it's very important that we heighten the awareness of how we operate um, that we operate in a consistent manner so that people shouldn't be too surprised at outcomes they see that we do it in a way that um, you know people in the wider public would have access to if they really want wanted to. I mean, there's no use to put put screens up. What are the alternatives to ABAC? Um, you know, you, you, you talked about people who cr- criticise the judgments need to be aware that 
you know, there, there are other regimes. Are there other regimes internationally that have been looked at um, that you you don't think are as suitable as ABAC? It's a difficult question for me to make comment. I mean, I, I, I religiously indicate that um, I'm not a lobbyist for, for anything. I'm just an urger. For, I don't, no, no, I appreciate no, no, that. No, but you would have observed... Yeah, I'm an urger for, for ABAC. But I think that um, the... the in the, the context of the question, there's a whole gamut of things that could happen from you know bl- from a blanket ban right right through. Um, you know, uh, people make comment that it's a self-regulatory regime because of the involvement of the industry. Ah, oh, well, that's yeah, that's the history. That's that's the way it happened, and that's what, what what's happening. Um, does that mean that ABAC uh, can't work effectively. Well, again, my observation is um, ABAC um, continues to, to do what it's set out to do. And, um, you know, many of the players, um, well, the predominant players, are, are independent of the, of the industry. So uh, myself, the CEO, uh, the adjudication panel, the, the, the pre-vetters, um, we uh, replaced a pre-better recently. She came out of marketing of a completely different different product. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was important to have somebody that had the knowledge of, of marketing. But again, um, absolutely, uh, when making that appointment, it had to have be somebody that had had no connection with with the industry. And, you know, we're, we're solid on that. Um, I, in the 12 months, I have seen no evidence in the operation of ABAC of um, any outside, outside pressure from, from internally from the industry. That hasn't stopped the criticism, though, that because it is an industry um, body. I, mean, I, I, I have very conflicted views personally about sort of alcohol because on one hand I make a living from it and I love it, but you can also see the, the, the damage it comes from it. So it's, it's a constant debate uh, for, for, for myself. But I, I, I get the feeling, particularly from the major players in the industry, the retailers, that there is almost a more rigorous application of... Uh, a lot of the guidelines because they they want to make sure that they prevent criticism of, of their behaviour to prevent the, the, the need for um, external regulation. And, and, and you're right, sometimes that's put as a criticism of, of the present um, setup and scheme. I see it as very much one of the, the, the strengths um, that there is this internal you know, peer group pressure. You know, uh, you'll have observations about, um, well, where are the penalties? Well, at the end of the day, we wanted to make sure that if uh, products are outside of ABAC standards, that they're pulled off the shelves, that 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 form of marketing doesn't continue. I think that that's fairly positive. And as has been illustrated, what that means is that um, somebody will have invested a lot of money in the marketing and that all have gone splat, you know, just against the wall, <laughs> no use to them. So again, that's part of the learning mechanism and the, and the understanding. Um, the other thing that I, I've really recognised over the 12 months is that, and I've described it as a marketing chain, I mean, it's just not the producers. Um, they'll go off and get somebody with 
um, as I call it, the creative juices to design their labels. Um, I'll go off and get somebody with creative juices to set up a marketing scheme. Um, it'll land in the, the lap of a social influencer that's making more money than I understand from, from what, what they do. Now, so it's not just the, the brewer for, for, for the case of this today's discussion, it's all those other elements in the, in the chain that have to understand they have, they have to do the right thing. Now, ultimately, um, it's the, the, the producer that has to be responsible that other people in the chain do the right thing, but we're about trying to educate the whole chain that um, in the marketing of these products um, that there's obligations. But I guess, you know, I, I look at it and I sort of think that you can sort of have uh, adherence right along the chain, um, but then you can have something like, um, so something that was very powerful to me was seeing uh, Bob Hawke um, sculling a beer at the cricket, um, for example, and, you know, that sets a very, very powerful message that is completely outside of the, uh, the, the retailer. And again, for me, you know, just stepping back a little bit, Yep. that means that, um, it's, it's not a cop-out when I say in this role that APAC is part of a whole myriad of things that are, that are going on. So um, we, we have to recognise that, um, you know, that there's these sort of, you know, public figures, there's what's parental influence and stuff like that. And that's, again, I emphasise, not a cop-out. It's just the realities that this is um, a big-picture thing of which ABAC is an element trying to absolutely ensure that the right thing is done and to, to have influence on uh, you know, other things that happen. Do you think that sometimes ABAC is given, is focused on when there are other societal and cultural uh, things going on at the same time that are being heaped at your door? Well, again, without, you know, entering into lobbying on anybody else's behalf. Um, as an urger for ABAC, um, there are nanoseconds where I think it's a bit unfair. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, I just, you, look, you, you can't dwell on that. You just, I mean, it just underscores my belief that all of us that are involved are just trying to make sure that um, ABAC achieves what it was set out to achieve and to, to, to do it to the most efficient and best way it can. So that's why we, you know, in this case for craft brewers, we want to engage with them. We, you know, we, we want to partner with them. We want them to understand that uh, for what some of the, you know, some of you, these people have great passion about what they're doing. So they should be allowed to do it because um, I think that they, they want to promote sensibly um, within all the rules about licensing and the like and the sale, they wanted to do, to do it sensibly and responsibly. And we want to be able to in a, be in a position that we can assist and not be seen as a roadblock. How hard is it to come up with the rules um, and, and, and actually define the rules? And I, I'm, in, in asking that, I'm always minded of, there was a case study out of the United States in the 1970s where the US military was trying to become better at procurement and rather than um, you know, be open and transparent and so they went out to market with biscuits. They wanted to buy biscuits and the biscuits that came back were terrible so they 
constantly had to tighten the definition yeah. of what a biscuit was yeah. until suddenly you've got a 37 page definition of a biscuit um, it included things that can't have flies legs in and it can't have and you need to use potable water um, and, and I think of that whenever I think of for example the cheeky monkey um, case recently I'm yeah. sure you don't want to comment on any particular one but it came down to the color of oh, the can yeah. um, how hard is it to try and come up with both a workable but then a non completely prescriptive um, code for, for marketers to adhere to? All right, well, the one thing we, we don't want to have is the 37-page defi definition, so, um, because that's... Well, would it be 37, or would it be considerably longer? No, it, it shouldn't be an amount, I, I suppose, when we got down to, say, um, without going to the particulars of the, the recent case, um, a, a sort of balance to make people understand that what we're trying to avoid is a level of uh, design of packaging that get, gets attention but doesn't go too far that it's um, misinterpreted and, and that, that I think that was the basis. So often these are hard concepts to, to, to define but we, we attempt through a case like that one to try to give an inkling and in, in that case um, you know, you'll have the, the broader thinking, what's going on here? You'll have the, the creative designer thinking, hey, but, but, so the graphic, you know, there was a message for graphic designers and stuff like that. And then that was reflected because others had gone, you know, way out there. So it was, it's a bit of a continuum and, and sometimes you just can't look at, um, so, you know, a decision in isolation. What we're looking at, it's consistent from a story that's been created. The one thing that I haven't um, mentioned that I should have was that uh, when ABAC started, it, it was only a content-based based scheme. And about 18 months, must be getting close now to two years ago, um, placement was also um, put into the code. Why did that, that occur? Because um, slowly but surely over the complaints that we'd received and um, adjudication... Um, it was getting pretty clear that people were concerned about placement and that the code would not be doing its job if we hadn't have um, broadened um, the, the things that we were adjudicate or that we were um, looking at. So, and, and that was done by the ABAC, by ABAC itself, as opposed to because of external yeah, pressure. It was look, um, you know. I have seen literature where others take credit for it. <laughs> I, I wasn't around, but on the basis of uh, my reading of what tea leaves are available to me, um, it, it was ABAC was um, moving down the track and realised that um, things had, had moved on. So um, in, in the definition stakes, one of the great challenges has been um, the, the changing... Um, environment of, of marketing so you know um, yeah look the social media platforms I'm pretty sure that those that put ABAC in place 21 years ago um, had a definition d different definition of influencer to what we have now so you know that it's it's it, it, and, and it's one of the present absolute um, challenges for, for ABAC is to um, try to get um, 
social media platforms um, on site to use what we believe are powerful tools that can really assist. So, for instance, um, if age gating is, you know, is applied properly, it will actually improve the system rather than having um, minors sort of tumble on, on things by, by accident. It can um, corral them and things like that. So, Just uh, explain the, the age gate uh, to me, because I've always, it, it, it's been one of those things that I've always shaken my head when you come to a, you know, and I visit a lot of breweries a, a day through my work, and every time I need to put in my date of birth, um, and so I think, well, how hard is it? Um, so, so on one hand, it, it seems to be as much about show, but is there a practical benefit of age gating? We believe that there um, is a practical benefit, um, and but we, we've, we're still coming to grips with um, understanding what the potential is, because there has been um, a, f a few circular arguments that we've had with some of the, the platforms, but. Um, certainly recently we, we got a bit of kudos from international organisations that we're at least, ABAC's at least taking this on while others around the world are still scratching their heads. Um, I'm also of the view that, um, that these type of age gating and, and potentials that platforms could put in place well, they apply to other things besides alcohol advertising, and I, I think that um, we're now involved in a much bigger picture that's trying to straighten out what the power is. And, and I mean, it gets down to you know um, understanding how algorithms can pop up, you know, the, the ad on your, your site, and yeah. then saying, well, you know, we want to make sure that that doesn't happen in in other uh, inappropriate. Uh, Aspects, you know, when when there's a minor involved and things like that. So, um, we're we're working on that um, to see if we can encourage um, all those that are involved to um, what to use what we believe is potentially much greater power than, than they have. Moving on to the, the the craft industry, and because the, the major brewers are all signatories to the uh, to, to ABAC. And the major retailers are no smaller brewers, yeah. uh, I, I believe. What are the what are the barriers or the potential costs to small brewers? Do they have to contribute financially to to the code if they sign up? Is are there any costs to them yeah. for being involved? Um, yeah, there's always um, costs. But what we've been trying to do is um, talk with the Independent Brewers Association. I mean, these are decisions for either the individual brewers or you know uh, a peak body that they they might be involved in um, there have been the ongoing discussions that we we've had um, we would like to see um, some of these um, players uh, come aboard as signatories um, what would it cost if I was a small little brewery and wanted to sign up what would be the cost this is my fail where I get a bad black stamp because I can't tell you. That, okay, so, that's okay. But, but, but there is a... a yeah, there's a scale, yeah. And, and, and the thing is that um, um, on the contra side, it would give um, a discounted cost for pre-betting and, and things like that. So um, 
these are balanced decisions that um, have to be made. Um, you know, we have to explain. You know, what other values are that by being a signatory that you know they they get more communication than they would get at the moment mm-hmm. about what what we're doing. Um, certainly, as I said earlier, with um, retailers saying that they require things to be pre-vetted before they'll take them on board is um, sort of a, a greater encouragement for people to look at um, the strength of being a signatory as against staying the way that things are at the moment. Um, you, you know, like, we we look at overall figures for how many, what percentage of the, the players that are in industry um, are already on board, and that's big. In terms of um, volume, I guess, rather yeah. than in terms of number. Number, yeah, yeah. Number, yeah. So, yeah, sales and, and influence. So... Um, Retailers, you know, if we look look at the different sectors, but and we would of course like to get um, greater greater coverage, but it's not the be all and end all. I mean, we we think that, um, for instance, if IBA came on board, that that would be a positive, but that's a decision for them. I, I appreciate this is possibly outside of your um, purview, but would it be um, better? to even charge a nominal fee to, to craft breweries to get them on board, to have them inside the tent working with you um, than outside, because I guess ultimately ABAC the, the adjudic- is incurring the costs of the adjudications, whether they're members or not, um, because you've got to consider any complaint, whether it's against a member or not. Well, again, that's um, on balance the decision for the, for the directors that... Um, make the financial decisions but, mm. but certainly again it's one of those balancing um, aspects of the, of the scheme um, whilst at the moment it's manageable you know uh, again uh, this this fluid situations where you know, these things are constantly um, considered um, we just also see as very important because it's a it's a big tick for ABAC itself if we can increase the coverage and we can say, well, you know, mm-hmm. as signatories we cover this amount of production of beers, this amount of production of wine and, and the like. Um, I mean, I think that that underscores uh, what is already um, a great degree of um, people being sure that they think that ABAC is worthwhile being involved in, so, yeah. I, I guess, just stepping back to, to ABAC being an industry um, committee, where, where does the pressure then come from um, in, in, in how you make these decisions, how you, uh, you know, it, it's obviously important that you're able to say X percentage of production is covered by the ABAC code. What... What external forces are providing that pressure on, or you know, sort of making that um, a, a statistic that's that's valuable? No. Who, who is the audience for that statistic? Yeah. I mean, par- partly it's our naval gazing, and um, for, for us looking at um, in, in an independent way about ABAC, um, the way in which we see it going forward, and and, and again. Um, my observation of the whole 21 years is it's 
could have been quite easy putting this in place and just letting it roll. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not my impression of the way in which the 21 years has gone. This has um, been something that um, is, is constantly uh, had uh, evolved, perhaps in small steps only, but it's evolved, it's reacted to different things in the environment in which it operates, so that it's on a whole host of levels that... Um, like all organisations, I think that they should really review themselves. So um, that, that's something that um, ABAC does. Who, who governs ABAC? All right, so um, the, the decisions about financing everything are at the board of directors, but the, the absolute operation is the, is the management committee. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm there as an independent chair, um, the three major... Um, Industry bodies have a representative. There's a representative of the Communications Council, and there's a representative of government. So there's a um, person from the uh, Department of Health that participates in the um, management committee. So um, we, we sort of control the, the day-to-day operations um, and responsible for putting in place the education panel. The um, pre-vetting service and, and the like. There's nobody from what potentially could be unfairly termed the anti-alcohol lobby or the... Uh, is there an anti-alcohol lobby or is, is, are there bodies that would provide a counterpoint um, to the industry members? Well, I think that, again, um, that's covered by us being alert to what comments are made um, out there. Um, there are public health, people with public health credentials that form part of the adjudication panels. So, I mean, in that, in that element, um, the, right from the outset, that, that was, was covered. So that's more about the operational aspect of, of the adjudication panels. But basically, we, I mean, we just try to keep alert in what's happening. Uh, that's why we believe we have an obligation into talking to people, whether they be um, decision makers in politics, decision makers in um, the, uh, government departments, both at federal and, and state and territory level, to have an understanding of um, the overlap between us and liquor licensing commissions and, mm-hmm. and the like. Um, we, we see that as being important, not only for us to... Um, explain uh, where ABAC's at at the moment, but to also to seek, you know, um, comment or suggestions or observations about uh, things that are different. Uh, At Standards Australia, we also, you know, because there's a bit of overlap there, try to straighten out those issues. So constantly as part of the the work of ABAC, there's... um, small R review of, of what we're doing and sometimes as the capital R when we do community expectations surveys and the like. So, so what would be, uh, and just bringing the interview to the close, because I know I've only got you for a limited time, um, what would your advice be to um, potentially the smaller brewers who maybe started in their garages um, or you know started as home brewers that didn't come up through a established industry um, group 
um, to what they should be aware of of ABAC and how they can do what they do better and avoid coming under ABAC scrutiny? Well, I think that the first thing that we, we ask them to, to understand is that they do have an obligation um, because of the, the product that they're producing um, and that's, that's exemplified in a whole host of ways, whether it be you know, licensing laws and the like. So we're one aspect of the overall considerations that they should have about those obligations and the way in which they operate um, socially responsible in an ethical manner. So when we get down to, to marketing, we just encourage them to understand that what we're on about is to try to assist them in identifying the ways in which they can market their, their product. Um, that allows them to get into the market um, and see that the product is used responsibly, um, give them an opportunity to compete against all their other creative geniuses that are out there brewing and things like that. But I, I think that it's just that momentary step back and understand that they're not just um, mixing a new brand of muesli and putting it on the shelves. I mean, even there, there's food standards, but this is we're operating um, with product that is well regulated on a whole host of levels. ABAC is a quasi-regulatory system to do with the marketing of that product. Um, they shouldn't see it as the enemy. They should see it as something that can give them guidance and give them less headaches. One of the things that stood out from that is the idea of social responsibility and. It, it, it's so coming to focus that ABAC isn't the social responsibility management board. It really does just look at the role that advertising plays, which is probably one yeah, strand so. of a much broader yeah. social policy yeah. around yeah. alcohol. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean I, that, that's why um, we try to make sure that we emphasise that there's a whole continuum going on on here, I mean, and, and you know from time to time that. Um, gives us challenges. You know, for instance, under um, state and territory um, licensing commission regulations, there are things that um, cover m marketing. You know, and we we have to marry up with that and to you know understand that we're not off saying something and they're they're operating on a, at a different level. So. Um, we're absolutely aware that we're, we're not doing things in isolation. Um, there's the um, overall ad standards about you know, public decency and the like. So there's you know, a degree of overlap, but what, what we've put in place is um, rules about the marketing of alcohol. And I should ask, do you enjoy a beer yourself? I'm guilty, I have, yes. <laughs> uh, for the audience, for the craft brewers, I, I have been amazed at the breadth of product that's produced. Um, some of them are not, pardon the pun, because we're getting a bit mixed, they're not my cup of tea, but I, I acknowledge, and that's why I, I overly use the creative genius uh, expression, <laughs> because some of the things that are produced um, 
beyond my comprehension about how they, they might be produced. But oh, I understand how they're produced, and you know, there are sometimes I just wonder whether they should be. But that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other. But but uh, you know, like it is um, again, perhaps not with my ABAC hat on. Uh, it's um, it's a fairly exciting scene that um, these people are involved in, and uh, my adult sons are. Uh, have, have experiences that are quite different to what my experience was of beer as a product, you know, back, back when I was their age. It's, uh, it's quite incredible. I mean, I never knew that there could be so many garages producing a <laughs> product. Well, fortunately, so, some of them have grown, but you, you do highlight an interesting situation because I'm in, in a similar situation. I've got daughters who are in their late teens and there is a very different attitude and yet ABAC is policing... Uh, a landscape that has multi-generations of expectations about what is appropriate and, um, you know, th- th- there's a completely different attitude to alcohol that yeah. social studies seem to be showing is, is coming through. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the trend lines of decreasing volumes, well, you say, well, there's something happening out, out there and that's the environment. I mean, not I understand that there would be people that want that decrease to, to go at a, a greater rate. Well, you know, that that's something for policymakers to um, debate and make decisions. That's that's not our province, but um, certainly um, it's it's a different world. And you know, like um, not only for for brewers, but you know, you, you look at the wine scene for the diff- for my generation compared to what what's happening now. So you know, like um, it, it's happening across the board. Harry Jenkins, uh, thank you very much for being part of this conversation. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the, for your interest. And that was Harry Jenkins. I'd really like to thank Harry for being so generous with his time and also for putting no constraints on where the conversation went. As always, let us know what you thought about the interview. And if you have any follow-up questions as a result, share them through our email, producer at bruisenews.com.au. We will also no doubt be discussing the conversation on the Radio Bruise News Facebook page and you can join in the conversation there. And we would like to thank our sponsors, including Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging, for making this show possible. Even if you have an established label supplier, have a chat with Rallings Labels, Stickers and Packaging and see how their flexibility can make things easier for your brewery. Call Rallings on 1300 852 235. If you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out by sponsoring the show, either a one-off or monthly donation, just to cover the costs of us producing it. You can review us on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service and help other people to find the show. Or you can email us at producer at bruisenews.com.au to share your thoughts. All correspondents will receive a Bruise News bottle opener and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack. Thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our Letter of the Week. 